to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love, starting with San Francisco. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein. Today, we meet executive chef Justin Simoneau of Boxing Room, a New Orleans-style restaurant in the heart of San Francisco's Hayes Valley. Boxing Room is a part of the Absinthe Group. You can hear the story behind their original restaurant, Absinthe, in Episode 5 with executive chef Adam Keogh. Boxing Room wasn't originally supposed to serve New Orleans cuisine. Owner Bill Russell Shapiro couldn't help but hear the passion Chef Simino had for the food of his native coastal Louisiana. After a few tastings, it was decided to change the theme of the restaurant to reflect Simino's roots. The biggest critics that I do have are people from Louisiana because they're like, well, you know, this is going to be like this. So I was like, it's not your grandma's. You know that. It's the way I do it. we got to respect everybody over here. Come on now. <laughs> um, you know, we can be stubborn like that in our own ways and in the South. Let's have a listen. So we are here with executive chef Justin Simino of Boxing Room. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. So in your own words, can you describe what Boxing Room is? Uh, let's see, I don't know. Boxing Room is a pretty casual lively place to uh, enjoy some southern Louisiana fare right in the middle of San Francisco. Can you share where you grew up? I grew up in southern Louisiana. Um, most of my life I lived in a town Raceland about an hour and a half or hour southwest of New Orleans but I did I moved around a lot closer to the city when I was in high school and uh, then I moved in New Orleans shortly after high school. Um, stayed there for a while uh, before moving out to San Francisco. What brought you out to San Francisco? Uh, culinary school. Just kind of a change of scenery. I worked in a few restaurants down there, and I, I had a friend move out and said it was pretty amazing, just kind of the food scene and things like that, and I wanted to learn a little bit more, or a lot more, come to find out. Uh, so I came out here for culinary school. What got you into the restaurant industry, and what were the first few restaurant uh, jobs you had? I don't know. Um, in high school, I mean, the first job I ever had was a dishwasher in a restaurant. Um, I think I was 14 or 15, um, and just kind of immediately fell in love with the line cooks and stuff. So. Uh, I tried really hard. Within a few months, I was able to work myself to a pantry position and I uh, just really, really, really fell in love with the hustle and bustle at first and then took a few years, quite a few years, to really fall in love with food. It was more about the energy and just kind of the camaraderie and all that of a kitchen lifestyle. It was pretty, pretty attractive right from the get-go. How was that different from other jobs that you had or other kind of... Never had another job. Had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, my very, very first job, I was a concessionaire at a... A movie theater for it only lasted a short while before I got the dishwashing gig, and um, I've honestly never looked back. I've been doing it ever since. I've, yeah, restaurant the whole entire time. So, can you describe what um, what the kind of essence is of Southern Louisiana cuisine? I think a lot of us have a few ideas of what that might be, but how would you summarize summarize that? I think it's about just how deep the culture is, and how many different cultures came together at a certain point in time to make what the cuisine is there. Um, I mean, they've always said New Orleans is a melting pot. I think we have a, quite a few more melting pots in, in the country now. But at the time, there was, you know, African influences, Spanish influences, French influences. And uh, once they all settled there, they just kind of made it their own, which uh, I think is very unique for at least America in, it, in, it, in itself. What, um, what's your family background and what kind of food and cuisine did you grow up with? Um, all the typical stuff. I mean, we fished quite a bit so a lot of fish fries and like stews and things like that uh gumbos seafood boils crabs and crawfish and not so much shrimp but sometimes we were lucky enough to get our hands on some shrimp we would be able to cook that but just pretty pretty typical stewed things over rice delicious (laughs) 
did uh, did your parents cook a lot? Or? Um, well, I, raised, I was raised by a single mother. Uh, she cooked when she could, but she worked a lot, which kind of forced me to start cooking at an early age. My grandmother cooked a lot. My grandfather was originally from Kansas, so he kind of he likes he liked a bunch of things, but there were some things that he didn't care for so much of the Louisiana world. So uh, we were lucky to get those when he was at work or something like that, like crawfish and things like that. He didn't really care for too much, but um, he was nice enough to fix it for us when we wanted it. Uh, so it was kind of a different growing growing up in terms of family. We were close and very but very small compared to most southern families where they're very mass and hundreds of people and things like that. What were the kinds of dishes that you would prepare to help your mom and your grandparents out? The first thing I cooked was spaghetti. Um, I can remember, I mean, simple stuff, you know, like open up a jar of ragu, ground some brown, ground beef with onions and boil some noodles. But I mean, I was doing that at seven years old or so, you know, chair backed up to the stove and <laughs> heating that up. And um, shortly after that, I graduated to uh, cooking red beans, which was uh, there's a brand down in New Orleans called Blue Runner Red Beans, which is for canned food, really, really delicious. And same thing, brown some sausage, throw in the beans, let them simmer for a little while, and eat it over rice. So, so when did you decide, kind of as you were, you know, working at, while you were in high school in the restaurant industry, did you think about going to college right after that, or did you think about anything else other than culinary school after high school? Um, immediately after high school, I went to a community college in New Orleans to. I don't even remember what I was going for. I think it was radiology technician or something along those lines. And at the same time, I was working in a restaurant. And it just, I don't know, school just didn't seem, or at least traditional school didn't really seem like it was my style. I, I would rather just be at work or doing other things than sitting in a classroom. So it was the conventional route. doesn't really seem to fit my brainwaves, if you would. What um, What is it about the kitchen world and the and kind of the hands-on jobs that you think resonated more with you um i just think like there's not much that's monotonous about kitchen work i mean every day brings a new challenge and there's also closure at the end of each day i think the immediate gratification as well like i always try to tell the cooks especially here at box room since we have an open kitchen any point you're downing yourself or getting you feel like you're in the weeds or you're feeling stressed out just look up and see a dining room full of people smiling and laughing and know that you're a part of that and making someone's night special uh, so there's just this instant gratification that you always have. So that, that was kind of rewarding for me. So when you came out to um, to San Francisco, was it immediately for culinary school? That was um, that was sort of the reason you moved out here, or did you come out here first and then? No, I ro- enrolled in school before I moved here. So well, I had visited a friend to look at school, and then um, yeah, the f- first day was in a culinary dorm room. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, was this the, the dorm room that's in the Tenderloin somewhere? Uh, no, so at the time they were they also had a bunch of different hotels and stuff around the city that they put us in, so I was right on the corner of uh, Powell and uh, O'Farrell at the time in the Herbert Hotel. I don't even know if it's still there, or if it is, it's reimagined from what it was then. What was it like being here at that time? How long ago was this? Uh, this was 11, yeah, 11 years ago, last month actually. It was, I mean, different. I mean, it was, I, I, like I said, I'd visited for maybe a, a few, a few days prior, but I had never really traveled that much or been outside of Southern Louisiana, maybe Mississippi, Florida, a couple of times. But um, coming out here was definitely a shock. I mean, I had a duffel bag and took a cab from the airport, and it dropped me off in the middle of Union Square, and I'm like, well, what the, where, where am I living? What are you doing? He's like, well, that's your address right there. I'm like, it's a hotel. 
He's like, I don't know what to tell you, man. That's the piece of paper you gave me. That's the address. <laughs> so it was definitely a, a shock and, uh, you know, mindset of San Francisco is a bit different than Southern Louisiana, which I got accustomed to pretty quickly. And it was, yeah, it was kind of, kind of a shock, uh, but I, I adapted to it pretty quickly. First few months were pretty hard. Uh, I got teased with the Indian summer when I visited and then I moved here in the middle of January. So it was rain for like the first entire month I was here and I was, I don't know, kind of sad living in a hotel room and really only knew one person in a whole big city is, as you can imagine. Um, but it all changed real quickly once school started and got a job and I found my way pretty, pretty fast. Where did, uh, where'd you start working? What was your first job? Um, <laughs> oddly enough, right when I got here, I had a buddy, he was working at the Cheesecake Factory. I don't really tell too many people that, so. <laughs> Uh, that only lasted for a couple months. So I was like, what the hell am I doing in this? I came here to learn how to cook good food. So shortly after that, I uh, went to Le Petit Robert, which is unfortunately not closed, but it was up in Russian Hill. Uh, I worked there for almost three years right when I started here. So that was definitely more of the direction I wanted to go in and kind of found my way through that restaurant for sure. Yeah. At least the Cheesecake Factory was close by, right? Because that's like it was in across the street. Union yeah. Square. Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> across really the funny. street. <laughs> so how did you get connected with um, the absinthe group and um, how did boxing room come about uh, kind of a interesting story I was working at the restaurant the moss room before this I was in the Academy of Science Museum um, and I had put in my notice there uh, with the intent of kind of just taking a break from cooking maybe trying to figure something else out just had been doing it my whole life and at that point I was I think 25 or so and I was like I've been working 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 and so I'm just going to take a break and just try to maybe explore different avenues. And uh, the manager at the time, his brother, oh no, his best friend, uh, was working at Absinthe. And we were both leaving at the same time, the general manager and myself, and kind of mentioned it to the owners of the Absinthe group. And um, they had eaten there a few times and I guess enjoyed what I had cooked and enjoyed the service that um, the general manager was doing at the time. And he, they called us both up and, and said they had just acquired a space, which was this. and. Um, want to know if they would would be interested in talking to them so I uh, came down and started talking uh, they had a concept that I wasn't really too interested in at the time it was kind of a simple you know rotisserie chicken with just kind of California traditional California fare and um, I had been doing that for the last for a while uh, wasn't really interested and kind of we got off topic and started talking about where I was from and Louisiana and few days later I get a call from Billy and he says you know whenever you talk about Louisiana you brighten up you sit up your chest puffs up like you get really proud of where you're from he's like would you be interested in cooking that type of food and I was like well I never really gave that any thought didn't think it was a possibility but uh, yeah I'd definitely be interested and that's kind of where it all blossomed from from a off-topic conversation on a different project which is kind of awesome I think that speaks a lot to not just um, what kind of an impact that you must have made at the Moss Room. I mean, it's if they only ate there a few times and mm -hmm. they were, they kind of entrusted <laughs> you to, to dictate the menu basically of this whole new venture, but also speaks to their ability to kind of see the talent in somebody and help somebody focus. And I don't think a lot of uh, leaders know how to do that well. So that's that just sounds pretty special. I don't think a lot of people have have those kind of leaders behind them. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with that. I mean, I definitely had to prove my worth. I didn't get the job without doing quite a few tastings, and um, you know, there was three or four different uh, different dinners I had to do to make sure that the flavors and things would work, and they saw it. But on that topic of the owner being able to recognize talent or believing in someone's beliefs is 
kind of what this company is made of. I mean, our other restaurant, Bar Comstock in North Beach, was a brainchild of Johnny Raglan and Jeff Hollinger, longtime absinthe bartender managers. This place, obviously, our wine shop was a brainchild of our uh, employee that worked for a long time. Uh, just kind of a, yeah, believing in what someone's passionate about and running with it as long as it makes business sense. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and that's hard. That's definitely hard to do. Um, what's So what's that like? I mean, it almost sounds like Top Chef when you were talking about uh, doing tastings and kind of preparing dishes. Is that is that typically how it works when a chef is sort of trying out, if you will, for for a new head position? Yeah, a lot of times. I mean, and fortunately in this in this restaurant there's not a bunch of investors and stuff but usually it'd probably be the main proprietor and the group of investors that sit down and you basically I mean there's a predetermined number of courses or sometimes they just let you go for it the first one I went for and they're like well that was way too much food so maybe next one do a little bit less I was like well I just wanted to show you like everything we can do Um, but yeah it's usually part of the application process if you would um, just to make sure they can see that you have some talent see where your palate's at, see what kind of vision you have. Sometimes vision that a chef has does not meet the nature or the personality of the restaurant. Or maybe a good thing that it's not because they want to go in a different direction or something along those lines. But cooking for cooking for people is definitely part of it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense, I guess. <laughs> I had to do it in his home one time, which was pretty nerve-wracking because I was in a home kitchen and I can see everyone eating the whole entire time. I was like, can you just put me in the back where I can't see what you're doing right now <laughs> they're all taking notes and looking around I'm like oh they can't hear you <laughs> yeah that's so funny I could see that being really stressful it's sort of like it's sort of good to have a little enclosed space to focus and then you get to exactly. see immediately how people are reacting to it which is also nice but maybe not at the same time <laughs> no not, not when you're trying out you're like is that a good yeah. especially if you don't know any of the people like is that a good expression or a bad expression yeah. I can't tell meanwhile you're burning your next yeah, exactly. dish because you're so worried about what they're thinking This is Rebecca Goberstein, and you're listening to Menu Stories, a podcast where we get to know the stories about the people and restaurants behind the food we love. We'll be right back with executive chef Justin Simino of Boxing Room. So what's it like um, cooking southern Louisiana coastal style food with California ingredients and um, you know, like the local fish and all of the all of the kinds of food that come with California. Yeah, a lot of the seafood that we use actually does come from Louisiana. We're not really using too much local seafood. It's just kind of hard to, it's not hard. I mean, sometimes a year we do use, I mean, when salmon's in season, obviously we're going to use salmon. Uh, if we had a Dungeness crab season, I'd definitely be using local Dungeness crabs and things. Um, so trying to stay true to what, uh, at least things that are kind of similar, if you would, to stuff that we'd find in Louisiana but at the moment I mean we're filled with shrimp catfish uh, flounder and things like that stuff that you really can't necessarily get out here at least the same kind mm-hmm. um, so we're using a lot of Louisiana stuff I think the biggest change for me was switching to west coast oysters because they have such a different well, mass variety for one and then a just different texture taste all together was uh, quite pleasing actually what about uh, the actual the like flavors of the menu? Have you had to have you had to modify anything that isn't quite pure Southern Louisiana? Have you had to shift things to meet the demands, if you will? For a of while, the I thought I did. Eaters? I like I kind of I'm back full circle from where we when we first started out. I was you know 100% tradition. We're gonna just make it the way it is. If you know we're there's not that many people doing it here, so 
it may take a while for people to get it, but um, we're going to keep doing it consistently the same way. Um, tried that for a couple of years and like, okay, well, this doesn't seem to people's comments were always like, it's delicious, but we can't eat there all the time because it's, it's heavy and it's fried and it's this and that. So we, I went a different approach with it and try to lighten everything up and try to do spins on things and all that stuff. And at that point, I kind of lost my, not, not necessarily lost myself, but lost the vision of what, like, what is it that we're trying to do here? Like, it doesn't really make any sense at this point. I got, you know, vegetarian risotto next to a bowl of gumbo with some deconstructed oysters Rockefeller salad and stuff going on. I'm like, this doesn't really... There's no real true meaning or vision to what's happening. It just seems like a mosh posh of trying to please everyone, which mm-hmm. once you realize that you can't do that, it's kind of like a light bulb goes off. And simultaneously, we acquired a liquor license last year. And at that point, I was like, well, that was kind of the missing piece of the puzzle for really trying to create a New Orleans vibe. If you can't get a true cocktail and only have beer and wine, it's kind of hard to, yeah. not completely hard, but not impossible, but it's a lot easier if you can get a cocktail in front of someone to make them feel like they're in Louisiana. So. Right. At that point, I went full circle back to just like, we're going to make it the way it tastes. It's going to be a little spicy. It's going to be rich. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be fried. But now you can drink a couple cocktails and feel better about it. <laughs> 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 that always solves everything. At least momentarily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is all you need. And then they can go home and regret it later. Yeah, but yeah. then they already enjoyed themselves. Exactly. So. <laughs> what can you do? So what's been the most challenging thing about being the executive chef here at Boxing Room? Hmm. What's not challenging? Um, it's all pretty challenging. I mean, being a chef, you know, it's high stress, high involvement. Um, uh, you got to manage a large group of people um, that all kind of seem to have uh, like-minded goals, but also kind of want to speak for themselves like be themselves and things like that so I think the hardest thing is always trying to manage consistency make sure things you know are always coming out the same tasting the same looking the same feeling the same hardest part right now in the city is finding staff (laughs) I'd have to say that's probably the hardest part of the job for the past few years is uh, when someone puts their notice in it's like the end of the world because you you know how hard it's going to be to find a replacement at this point but fortunately we don't have to deal with that too too much uh, as of recent anyway knock on wood um (laughs) But it, I think what makes it easier than other restaurants I've worked in is just the passion that I have for the food and for the culture that I'm trying to um, put on display mm-hmm. uh, this far away from the real thing. pretty proud of the job that we do do uh, in trying to, like I said, put that culture and that flavor and that style on display here. So that's probably the most rewarding and hardest part about it is trying to stay authentic and uh, give a true expression or at least my interpretation of the expression of Louisiana. What would you say is the most rewarding thing about having gotten to where you've gotten so far? Um, just knowing that, I mean, you can't keep going in this career path if you're not making people happy somewhere along the way. So just knowing that I provided, uh, you know, good times and memories for people via food is kind of probably the most rewarding part of being a chef in general. Um, it's taken a lot of hard work and dedication to get to this point. Uh, so it's it's nice to, and this is not a end game point. It's there's still a lot more to accomplish and a lot more to do throughout my career. I'm still pretty young, so uh, at this point, it's just knowing that I give people a good time and they enjoy eating my food. That's kind of the most rewarding part of it all. D- has your family been out here to try the food and possibly? Yeah, my mother and grandmother. Uh, my aunts come out once as well. They like it. I mean, we all we all do our own things our own way, kind of, so my mom thinks I get my roux a little too dark for the gumbo, but that's kind of <laughs> the way I like it. 
you know, grandma thinks jambalaya is a little too spicy, but that's, you know, it's kind of, you know, I think the biggest critics that I do have are people from Louisiana because they're like, well, you know, this is could be like this. So I was like, it's not your grandma's. You know that. It's the way I do it. We've got to respect everybody over here. Come on now. <laughs> um, you know, we can be stubborn like that in our own ways and in the south of it's my way or the highway type of thing uh, in terms of the way a gumbo or jambalaya should be made. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. All in all, they are definitely excited and proud. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. If you've never washed down fried frog legs with a Sazerac in San Francisco, now is your chance. You can learn more about Boxing Room on their website, and you can see photos and a behind-the-scenes video of our interview with Chef Justin Simino on MenuStories.com. The next two episodes of Menu Stories, episodes 24 and 25, are going to be a two-part series where we hear from the chefs who are keeping Southern food and soul food alive and well in the historic Fillmore District. Subscribe to Menu Stories on MenuStories.com so you can get the next episode delivered to your inbox. You can listen on our website, iTunes, and SoundCloud, and be sure to find us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and Instagram. Special thanks to Siska Marcus, Menu Stories Assistant Editor and Producer, and Patrick Wong, our videographer. I'm your host, Rebecca Goberstein, and until next time, happy eating.